Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, uh, Aaron and I, I'm Nate, by the way, and Aaron is Aaron. We're back from vacation and back on the microphone for this weekly conversation with our brothers from around the country, around the world. Welcome to this episode of the show. Uh, Aaron, is there any air conditioning in that uh, home that you live in? Uh, out in the wilds of the central coast of California? Not one that works at the moment. Oh, but, my. But that's Lord. on my list of to-dos today. <laughs> I've been looking at the temperature map. You guys must have been frying out there. Yeah, crazy. 106 for three days. Even some of the beaches were hot, which that's usually you can escape by running over there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It was, uh, But that that is the unfortunate thing around here because it didn't used to get that hot and it doesn't often get that hot. There just isn't much air conditioning. So even if you try to go to a coffee shop or a restaurant, uh, your, your chances are there's not going to be air conditioning there either. You, you know, I just experienced this. I just got back, as you well know, from the trip to Ireland and England with my daughter. We spent our last night in Dublin at a at a pretty expensive boutique hotel downtown Dublin, um, which doesn't have air conditioning, and it was unseasonably warm. And it's after midnight. We got to catch a morning flight. And uh, the only way to sleep is to open the windows over the busiest street with all the nightlife going on, all the raucous, you know, uh, racket going on. To, uh, I, it uh, woke me up to the fact that I have just become accustomed to conditioned air, the comfort of conditioned air. It's, uh, wow. Your, your, uh, guest, your guest room has my favorite air conditioner. I'd oh, man, that'll blow you right out, won't it? It, it? Right next to the bed, just lay there and go, man, this is what it's like to have air conditioning? <laughs> Which, by the I'll way, I, I want to invite listeners to look at YouTube for cheap uh, what ice chest air conditioners. Oh. There are some amazing ideas out there for how you can make a, a little personal air conditioner for less than like 20 bucks. Yeah, okay. That's, that's you- also on my to-do list today. All right. So you're back. It's nice to see your face. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a great trip. Didn't go entirely as planned. For one thing, I developed a raging case of a very painful condition called Achilles tendonitis. Uh, started three or four days before the trip, and by the time we landed in Ireland, I could barely walk. Wow. So uh, all that, all the best laid plans for eight, 10 mile hikes across the Irish countryside got shelved. Fortunately, we had wheels. We had a good car. Uh, I bought a walking stick in Dublin. was still able to make it to the pretty spots. And my daughter and I spent more time than we'd anticipated in pubs and may have had, as it turns out, more conversation than we would have had, you know, hoofing it across, uh, It, it might have been more time than you anticipated, but I think it's exactly the amount of time the listeners anticipated <laughs> that you would spend in pubs. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want you to tell any more of the story because on the next episode, we're going to get Kristen in here and have her talk about it with you. So, Oh, that would be great. Hold on. Yeah. Don't give us any more details. Uh, okay. You want to introduce Caleb here? He's here for the whole time. He's, he's sitting there quietly. 
Uh, yeah, we're what we're recording in my little office here at the house, and sitting beside me on the leather sofa is Caleb Davison, uh, and he's going to talk to us. He and Larry Warren, a good friend of mine, those guys who came to the Pirate Monk Recharge Weekend last fall may remember Larry is one of the five guys I walk with throughout the week. Uh, Larry and Caleb uh, have just launched a fantastic online ministry, great website that we want to talk about that I think is going to give Samson guys a whole new avenue for service, which is going to help really uh, fuel recovery. Well, Caleb, during this banter time, feel free to jump in and, you know, make fun of Nate or make a comment <laughs> yeah. uh, that you I'll take, want. I'll take those liberties. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we are both back in town and uh, up and rolling. I so funny. You know, I was going to upload the episode while I was in Lake Tahoe uh-huh. and I got to Lake Tahoe and got to the Wednesday and thought today's the day to upload it but I realized I had simply downloaded it to my desktop at home on the computer. And in my mind, everything's so connected now. I can just go wherever and access whatever. And I was, I actually had a technological helplessness that I I thought, what, what was it like when there were just telephones and answering machines and rotary dials? I've, I've forgotten this feeling that you can't do whatever you want whenever. I know we were uh, a little late on uploading that, but anyways, here we are. Yeah. Um, Hey, you know, we got a, we got a great letter this week and, uh, and an oral contribution from Samson guy, one of our listeners. Uh, When we come back, I'd love to read that letter and then maybe we'd hear a new voice. What do you think? Let's do it. We'll be right right back here on the Pirate Monk podcast. And we are back. Nate, you got a letter. I did. We love to get letters. And uh, we do get quite a number. We don't read all that come in. Uh, but uh, I got this letter this week from, uh, from Samson Brother. And he has given us permission actually to divulge his name. So his name is Chris Hernandez. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and read his letter. And then he sent us... Uh, he sent us a sound file. We're going to go ahead and play a composition uh, from Chris. So he says, my name is Chris Hernandez. Uh, I'm writing because I want to share a poem I wrote for my wife recently that sums up my view of the war between sexual addiction and pure love. I I want it to serve as an inspiration for men who've been in this battle without even knowing how serious it is for their lives, their wives, and their children. This poem is for my wife, but it's also for sex addicts who are coming out of blindness and who are starting to learn what it means to fight and be more than conquerors. Personally, I've been active in 12-step recovery since February of this year. 
I've been married for what would have been 11 years this August, but that was officially cut short just a week ago through a divorce. I had a wonderful wife who I still consider my bride. We have four beautiful children, two girls, eight and nine, two boys, four and six. I did not realize I was an addict until November of last year. The Heart of Man movie came out. And after watching it, before I could even get to the parking lot at the movie theater, all of my personal trauma and childhood abuse came flooding back to my mind. Things I'd literally forgotten about since I was seven years old. My wife has had full disclosure of everything, even before we were married and throughout our marriage. I'd confess when I struggled, she would always speak of deeper root issues, which I would shrug off because... I wasn't supposed to look at the past, but to keep looking forward as a Christian, or so I thought. I did not have any real consistent community of men to reach out to for help. And when uh, I did, it was abusive. So I foolishly expected my wife to carry the burden of my acting out on her own. We both got really overwhelmed with it, with life really quickly. Uh, We married when I was 24, and she'd just turned 18. I'm now 34. She's 29. While having children, I was employed in school and in school full-time, and I finished with a bachelor's in biblical studies and a master of divinity degree online while living in Alaska. I am a first-generation Christian. No other man in my family has lived to openly proclaim Christ. I thought I was big stuff after I graduated and we moved to Kauai where, and then to Arizona where I was raised so I could take a job as a lead inspector on a $2 billion project. And so I could show off my bride and children to the people I knew back home. That didn't necessarily go the way I'd planned. Needless to say, I drove myself into the ground and totally became arrogant and dismissed my wife and children, thinking I was doing all they needed from me, when all the while I was mentally and emotionally abusive, and my addiction grew like a weed. My wife left Arizona with the kids, and I became more and more arrogant, and pornography became so normal to me in a way that it never had been normalized in my Christian life before. Lust truly kicked my ass. Honestly, I believe God turned me over to Satan for a season so that I could see my sin and see what it really means to be separated from God. It scared the shit out of me. I allowed pornography, fantasy, and sexual misbehavior to ultimately ruin my marriage. And I'm now in individual and group therapy, and I regularly attend 12-step meetings. I also started hosting the Midnight Sun Samson Society in Alaska. I say all that to say that I've lost everything I ever cared for, but, and this is a big but, somehow, some way, the men in the virtual Samson Society meetings have helped me to get through this terrible loss in my life. I thought there was no hope for my family, but when Michael Leahy's Breaking Free Virtual Summit came out in December and Nate's interview came on, I knew that I'd not even begun to scratch the surface in finding help and support in God's kingdom with the issue of sexual addiction. Samson has literally saved my life. At one point, I was suicidal. 
But again, men in the Samson Society have given me unbelievable hope. I want to thank you for that. I left everything behind in Arizona, came back up to Alaska with absolutely nothing but faith. I had no job. I had no home. My wife would not allow me to stay with her and the children. And I've been surviving off nothing but the grace of God while being up here. But I immediately got a job making more money than I've ever made. But more importantly, the work is in town, which is huge in Alaska because most construction jobs are remote. God has been carrying me every step of the way. I get to see my children again as often as I can. And my wife is civil with me. I'm giving her all the space she needs, though at times it's extremely difficult. But that's where the Samson men come in. And that's where God forces me to trust him more and more. I see it this way. For 10 years, my wife helped me achieve all that I wanted to achieve in higher education and career. And now I just want to live the rest of my life helping her make her own dreams come true. I'm trying so hard to learn how to love her the way she needs it, which right now means giving her space. And I'm trying so hard to learn how to die to my pride and arrogance so that her and my children can have God-given awesome lives. Thank you for teaching me how to do that through your podcasts and teachings. I know this is a lot to read through, but I just felt compelled to share. I love what you do. I look forward to meeting you men soon. I know this will be an ongoing conversation. Please let me know what you think of the poem, and please share it in any way you deem appropriate. God bless. Chris. So I followed that up with a, a letter to Chris, uh, asking if, uh, how he'd feel about us playing it on the podcast. He said, by all means, do it. So, uh, Aaron, if you could tee that up, why don't we play the poem for our listeners? Love in Recovery. True love has been blinded by a vicious lie. I gave the lie the time of day and I don't know why. I was sicker than I could see. I was weaker than I could feel. I was deceived by the lie until you made it real. When I saw your heart break and I heard your broken cry, I knew I had to wake up and begin to examine why. Why did I let this evil stay so long? Why did I give in to an evil so damn strong? You've always said that to my sin there's been a deeper root. I never took the time to really hear and feel you. I never fully believed you because I didn't know how. I always thought this battle was as weightless as a cloud. But now when looking back, I see you were right all along. Now when looking back, I begin to see what was wrong. When I was a child, I was left neglected and bruised. When I was a child, I didn't have a friend like you. I was left to my own devices and I was left to discover that sexual sin and pornography fooled me as a lover. I believed in the sin of lust and porn for too damn long. I believed it was the one for me even with your love so strong. It had me fooled for what feels like eons. It had me strung up like an evil commander's peon. But not anymore, no way, no how. Not in the future, no, not even now. Now that I know that Christ came to redeem even the most shameful parts of me, I can't help but reflect on his power to restore the childhood of neglect that left me damaged and sore. Sore from the bruises of self-inflicted pain. Sore from the bruises that added to my shame. 
Yet in Christ I've been given a vision to see that this heavy cloud of darkness doesn't only overshadow me. I see that my story of shame isn't quite so unique. I see that the power of shame has left a dirty streak. But that shame's gotta go, it's gotta get its way out. It ain't welcome here because it keeps me in doubt. It keeps me always doubting in God's sovereignty. It keeps me always doubting in God's love for me. So with this new vision and this passion to change, my entire outlook on life has been rearranged. And though it may seem like it's too late to change, please believe me when I say I'm done being insane. I'm committed to our family. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to living in nothing but the truth. And the truth right here and now and forevermore is that I'll never leave you neglected. I'll never leave you sore. I will make up for all the lost time. I will make up for all the pain. I will make up for all those times I made you go insane. You are my deepest, truest love. That's for eternity. You are my deepest, truest love. I see that in clarity. And in the end, please understand, I don't rely on the power of me. The only hope for change I have is in Christ's divinity. And though it seems unfair and at times downright ugly, it's all worth it to me because our love is worth recovering. That's some pretty deep stuff there. That's heartfelt. Uh, you can feel the pain. You can feel the passion. You can feel the hope, uh, the fear. Uh, Chris is right in the thick of it here in early recovery. Uh, what do you hear and what do you feel, Aaron? Yeah, those were those were words uh, that I was feeling. There's a there's painful heartbreak and a lot of hope. Yeah. Uh, I also hear that passion of of willingness. I know we've talked about willingness before, but that's just such a key a key thing in all of our lives when we say, "Okay, this is this is the new direction that I need yeah. to take." But how much am I willing to pay for that? Yeah. Yeah. And you hear a lot of willingness in that poem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I think I hear and what I hope I hear is that Chris is doing this, uh, first of all, f for Chris to get his life back. And it, uh, that it's not um, a strategy for getting his wife back. Mm. Um, I do know that when we enter recovery just to get our wife back, uh, we, we, um, that's not enough. First of all, there's no guarantee she will come back. And if she does come back and that was just the object, then we let our feet off the gas, we let our foot off the gas and the thing just begins to drift again. In the end, I've got to do it for me and for my relationship with God and for my own integrity. And I've got a hope that in the process, God is going to restore, uh, you know, the years that the locust consumed. I feel very grateful. I know that I'm blessed. I feel great, very grateful that, um, first of all, we never got as far as divorce. I had friends who did go. Uh, the marriage went as far as divorce, and then God put it back together. We didn't we didn't cross that red line. I'm grateful that uh, my marriage survived. I do know some brothers who worked as hard as I did, but for reasons that were entirely out of their control, uh, they were never able to recover the marriage in the way they wanted. But I love Chris's heart. Here's one thing: whether whether his wife ever comes back and whether he ever remarries or not, he's always going to be the father of four kids. They are always going to be parents together. 
the fact that she is engaging him in a civil way, allowing him to see the kids whenever he wants. That's, those are all hopeful signs. If she's a smart woman, this is very early. And he's only been doing this hardcore since, since uh, February. Uh, she'd be a pretty foolish woman to uh, buy in completely right now. Her skepticism is wise. Uh, but as long if she's willing to, to have an open mind, to watch, to wait, Chris continues to work. Um, I can see and I certainly will pray that God restores that family. Hmm. What did you guys hear in the, the letter and in the poem? Yes, it's a powerful poem. I'm, I'm going on six and a half years in marriage. Uh, so, so younger in my journey, um, I think the thing that's challenging for me is, is how do you get to that point? And I think for people younger in marriage, like myself, I, I think our biggest issue is apathy. And I wake up every morning and I just assume my wife's going to be there. I assume things are going to go well. Um, but if I think back over the last year, I think the amount of times I've intentionally gone out of my way to really love my wife have been very few. And I think if that prolongs over the next you know, decade, uh, the, the marriage can quickly turn into a situation that we never expected when we got married. And so I think it's very challenging for me uh, thinking about we've got two little kids and we're, we still feel young in our marriage and, and just thinking how we can prevent things like that in the future. And it, it is challenging because the consequences are, are huge and I hope we never come to that place. And I hope that I'm courageous enough to make big investments in our marriage now before we get to that point. So, how about you, Larry? What'd you hear in that, man? That's it's a powerful letter, and I appreciate Chris's authenticity. That's uh, that's part of why the Samson community is working for him because mm-hmm. he's not playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it doesn't work if you play. That's it. You know, so he's being real, and his wife will hear that. As you said, Nate, she needs to be wise mm-hmm. and not be in a hurry because yeah. she's seen his insincerity. Yeah. And, and he has really, I think challenged us with, 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 with two things. And I think sitting here with Caleb, who's been married is six years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm in year 38 that the timing is, is really important for all listeners that wherever you are now is the time to yeah. be honest and authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever you're, your issues are in your marriage and your own personal life. It's like, I've got to move toward an authentic relationship with Christ. Yeah. And second, an authentic relationship with other brothers. Yeah. Because that's, that's the prevention. Mm-hmm. It's the cure. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I just resonate with so many things from that letter at first authenticity and second, the timing, the timing is now, whether you've been married six years or 38. Yeah. Boy. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to transition to a conversation with, with Caleb. And Larry, hang around, too, because you're, you're part of this story. Uh, and we're going to find out about leading well when we come back on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
Welcome back to the Pirate Monk podcast. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> different feel. Okay. Gets us started different ways. All right. I feel this is going to be a more scholastic uh, <laughs> of the show. Kind of <clears throat> mysterious, too. Yes. Yeah. The, a little Dickens and a few ghosts. That's what's, uh, what's coming yeah. up for us. <laughs> well, just to give the listeners uh, a picture, uh, we're, we're sitting in my office. Uh, I'm sitting between Larry Warren and Caleb Davison here on the, on, on the fine leather sofa across uh, the room. Uh, Larry's son, Paul, is, I think, v- videoing with an iPhone. Kind of looks There's like- another person in the room? You've got me yeah. facing only one direction. Why yeah. people just keep... <laughs> Like Mary Poppins carpet bag here. Ganged up on you today, buddy. <laughs> there are ghosts in this room. All right. Uh, Larry Warren, uh, to my right, to your left. Uh, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> to the listener's left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, listen right or left. Just listen correctly. <laughs> Larry, Larry's a, a, a legend here in Franklin. Uh, a guy who moved years ago, called by God, moved from business into ministry, uh, and uh, is God has used him and the team that uh, he has built over the years to train tens of thousands of pastors to feed how many, how many, hundreds of thousands of people in Africa, uh, pro- provide support for orphanages. Uh, the vision continues to expand. Larry has been uh, looking f- uh, for the next generation of leaders, and that has brought Caleb into his orbit. Uh, the organization uh, that Larry heads now is called Leadership International. Caleb has been involved for three years, I think. That's right. Caleb's visiting us for a few days. He's come in to consult and uh, confer with Larry's been for a few days. You live in Denver, right? That's right. Denver, Colorado. Yep. Okay. So Caleb, uh, as you just heard, married for six years. He's got a couple of kids. He's a graduate of Virginia tech and Denver ceremony, uh, seminary. Yep. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so tell us about kind of the, how this new website, which just launched less than a week ago, right? So, yeah. 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 Uh, a great, beautiful vision uh, and a fantastic opportunity for service and to connect the global church. Uh, tell us, Larry, kind of how this thing unfolded. Well, as, as Nate said, we our core service has been to uh, offer training to pastors and church leaders, first in Africa, but now in other parts of the world, mm-hmm. and uh, to serve the underserved body of Christ. And after many years of uh, offering training to church leaders and having them go through our two-year curriculum, they wanted more. Then they said long-term learning. And then we realized that mentoring, coaching, and discipleship, really the kind of community Samson has, mm-hmm. is not available around the world. Right, yeah. And so as Caleb and I discussed this, he's, we said, how can we use an electronic platform mm-hmm. to make that kind of instruction, fellowship, even real relationships available to anybody? Mm-hmm. So the vision, that that's somewhat the vision of Leading Well. Uh, but I'm going to ask Caleb to share more because it's really his vision. All right. Okay. Take Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the preface, uh, I think we've all been affected by coaching in some way. And when we say coaching, uh, short-term strategic 
conversations. Um, <clears throat> sometimes it turns into long-term mentorship. Uh, Larry was a coach and a mentor for me years and years ago, back when I, my wife and I lived in Kenya. Uh, I was working with a different ministry and um, ended up getting connected with Larry and his family and kids and, and got to know them. And, and Larry became a coach for me in, in many different areas uh, when I was young in ministry living overseas. <clears throat> we all have stories like that where somebody has been in our lives at a strategic point and, and invested into us. Um, and so as it, I'm, I'm a younger guy, we're looking at the future of the ministry and what that looks like. We have thousands of Larry has built a ministry with his team, thousands of graduates around Africa. And now that's growing into Asia of church leaders who want to lead. Well, the vision is leading. Well, if you look at Romans 12, eight, Paul is talking about the different gifts. And he says, if your gift is leading, then lead diligently or lead well in some translations. The vision of our ministry is simply that church leaders, Christian, Christ-like leaders would lead well. That's the vision. I think that's what Christ wants for the body of Christ is for the people he puts in leadership over the church to lead well, to lead diligently. And so there's many ways you can go about that. The main service that we have are, are running classes all around the world and training leaders with curriculum. But we wanted a kind of a wider reach that could serve uh, more people uh, more strategic investment. <clears throat> and it kind of came up at, at a very simple thing. I, I had, uh, we had a connection in Ghana. He was, he was training leaders. He needed help turning his book into a curriculum. He called me. I forget how it came up in the conversation. I said, Hey, I've got a friend that does instructional design. I think uh, he might be able to help you. So I connected the two. They started working together and, and, and they created a curriculum on sharing the gospel with Muslim neighbors. Um, <clears throat> several kind of strategic conversations like that came up uh, over the course of a few months. And I said, this is such a unique situation we have with our ministry where we have these incredible gifted uh, men and women in the U S with these skills, these gifts um, resources. And then we have this entire network in Africa and Asia of church leaders who are desperate for resources and training and coaching. And, um, and it's not just Americans coaching Africans, it's Africans coaching Americans and, and Africans coaching Asians and all around the world. There's just, God has poured gifts into people. He's given us experiences and expertise. So the crux of the website is, is to connect those people with expertise with people who need that coaching and, and any great technological platform right now is just connecting uh, somebody with a need with someone who has something who can meet that need. You look at Uber, you look at um, online dating, anything like that. You're just connecting people. <clears throat> and I think we have a unique opportunity now to use technology for the kingdom. And I think that looks like connecting people and specifically in the church, that's connecting strategically church leaders with someone who has expertise that can pour into them. Mm -hmm. And so when you go onto the website, you can either find a coach, you can become a coach, but the point is to get church leaders to lead more like Jesus. And we don't think you can do that without relationship. Training and curriculum and content is important, and our website will have that. You'll have access to free training and, and content, and all of that is good. But we really think the most important thing are relationships. Uh, there's a reason Jesus chose uh, to commission the disciples. Jesus could have stayed on earth and done ministry himself, and he would have done an incredible job. But he, for some reason, wanted his disciples to carry on the ministry. And he's invested in people and he wants people to invest in other people. And that's his plan. And we need to be obedient to that. And I think we have a strategic opportunity. And I think Samson Society has 
an incredible chance right now to use the network that you have, the resource that you have, the, uh, the gifts and the expertise that God has poured into your lives and, and given you, maybe it's 10, 20, 30 years of experience in a specific field um, to pour into leaders in the developing world who don't have that kind of access. They, they might have to walk over two mountaintops to get to the next church pastor or find a curriculum. They don't have libraries. They probably don't listen to many podcasts but they can have access through their cell phone. Maybe they can go to a cyber cafe and get access through their computer. We know that internet access is growing rapidly through Africa and Asia. Most church leaders that I meet in the most random parts of the earth now have smartphones and they can get on those smartphones now and they could go to leading well and they could find a coach in a specific area that they need help with, whether it's recovery ministry or maybe it's youth ministry or they need help setting up a leadership development program for their small groups, whatever their need is, they could go on to leading well, they could type it in and they could find some content related to that. They could find a coach who has 20, 30 years experience in that area. Um, so we hope that we can just make the world a little bit smaller, specifically the church by providing this platform to connect uh, people with expertise with church leaders, leaders who need that help. So where are you getting these coaches from? Are they, are you recruiting them or how's that happen? Yeah, well, we just, uh, I mean, we've been working on the website for, uh, for months, almost a year. We, we just launched it last week, really, uh, publicly to, to start recruiting uh, coaches and with our network overseas. So right now we are, we are really looking for coaches. Um, we've, got, um, we've got dozens who have signed up already, uh, but we want to increase that a lot because we think the need is huge and we're looking for hundreds of coaches um, all over the place. And you may not think you have specific expertise to offer. Uh, but even if you've been in, in private business for 30 years, you probably have some expertise that you can offer. Uh, a lot of these church leaders are bivocational. They set up their own businesses. You wouldn't know how much time some of these church leaders spend, uh, trying to make money on the side with their businesses. So it could be business advice. It could be setting up, um, a nonprofit. It could be church leadership, but we, uh, we think everybody has something to offer and we think God has strategically placed people to do that. So, so what's the application process for someone to become a coach? Through yeah, right now we, we've, we're trying to make it as simple as possible. You have to be approved by us, but you can basically go on the website, uh, click on coaching and there's a button that says become a coach. You fill out the application. Um, you kind of fill in what expertise you have, your experience, you, a short bio about yourself and how people can get in touch with you. Um, and then that gets reviewed by our team. And then we, once we approve that, you get a message, you get put up on the website, um, as a coach and you can start receiving requests for coaching from anywhere in the world. And are these coaches volunteering their time? Yeah, that's right. We're, we're, uh, the way that it works is once you're live, you could get as many requests as you want, but you can, um, you could hide your profile. If you're going through a busy phase, if there's a few months where you can't do anything, you can, you can hide your profile when you're ready to start coaching again, you can put your profile back up online live. Uh, but we're asking for about a, an hour a month on average for these coaches to say, I'd have, I'd have one strategic conversation with a church leader on the other side of the world for one hour a month. We think that's, that's reasonable. We think that's a, a good ask. And we want these coaches to be uh, engaged, but we, we, we know people are busy. We know they're not going to be able to give uh, 40 hours a week to something like this. So we just, we're asking for about one hour a month from these coaches. Wow. Yep. I'll do it. Nate, you do it. Right. Yeah, I'll do it. Sure. Sign you up now. You're doing good. You got two so far. <laughs> 
That sounds awesome. Yeah. Can we request countries? I want an Ethiopian pastor to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, that's a neat that that uh yeah, let's find some funding to build that feature in there. We haven't thought about that. That's that's, that's a, we can definitely do that for you. Caleb just came back from Ethiopia. That's right, actually. And yeah. we and so that's a done deal. That might be a God thing, and that might be easier than you think, actually. <laughs> we don't even know a website to that. I, I could just give you a phone number right now. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Yeah. That's All awesome. Right. Good. We'll continue this conversation afterwards. This has become boring to the listeners, but I'm all kinds of excited. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, now, man. this has been a, a kind of a miraculous thing, building a website. Uh, uh, you know, a platform with this complexity and with yeah. these features. I mean, it, it, that's a huge capital investment. Yeah. And God just kind of rolled that up to your front door and knocked, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I probably, this is definitely the Lord's vision and he affirmed that in many different ways. And one of them is, is the way that we got this, this platform uh, to begin with. Uh, I had been talking to people, praying about it for over a year, I think. Um, before anything really came to fruition and was chatting with a friend that happened to work. Um, I'm in Denver, Colorado. I have a friend that works at Compassion International. He was doing, working on their IT systems. And he said, hey, this is a really neat idea. I think Compassion might be interested in this. So he got me in touch with uh, some of his friends at Compassion International. Um, As you know, they do the child sponsorship program. They were in the process and have now kind of launched a, a, a platform they were working on really for child sponsorship very robust platform. You can do online learning. You can do, um, has a, a great content library. You can tag resources and upload resources and, and all of this sit, uh, all, all these different things that, that we hadn't even dreamed of. And, and we started meeting with compassion and they said, we've got 7,000 church leaders around the world who we want to start pouring into. I mean, mm-hmm. compassion invests in, in their staff. They invest in the children, obviously that you sponsor, but they've got 7,000 plus churches that they work with. And they want to strategically invest in those church leaders. And that's where we fit in. And they said, well, we don't know what we can do right now, but but we could probably give you this platform that we've been working on. So we looked at it and it was an incredible fit. I mean, 90% of what we were looking for, they had already built. And they're using it for a different purpose. But all we had to do uh, was really, in the design world, reskin it. Mm-hmm. and change a few features and add a few things. But for a minimal cost, we were able to take a platform worth over $300,000 and turn it into uh, leading well. Wow. And, Isn't it much quicker than we would have starting from scratch. So but pretty makes it clear that um, there is a project manager who's not on you know our payroll. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Behold, yeah. he stood at the door and knocked. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, this is slightly off topic, but I was looking at your shirts with your lead well logo. Yeah. And I, I have some friends that do uh, water work in Africa. So they oh, okay. help communities uh, with their wells. And I thought, man, lead well, you're like, this is, this is providing the well in places that don't have a place to, to drink, to consume this information. So I don't know. That's just, that's that's an incredible analogy. And that, that, that is, it's a, the the name really has two meanings. The the first is the vision, which is the vision is, is, is leading well. Uh, But the, the method of doing that is that you come to the leading well. And so that's, that's kind of the Mm -hmm. way we have it, the dual meaning for the, for the brand. So, and uh, by the way, the web address is leading dash. Well, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Leading dash. Well.com. Okay. Leading dash. Well.com. That's right. All right. And now let me put in a plug here for guys in recovery. 
here's the thing we learn. Yes, recovery involves a lot of personal work, self-examination. The great risk in recovery is that we get stuck in introspection. It turns into navel-gazing, and now it's all about me. When that happens, you're down the rabbit hole, and you're pretty much uh, out of commission. If you really want to, now you can't skip over, you can't skip over the personal work. You have to do the personal work. But if you really want to kick in the second stage of that recovery rocket, you start, uh, this is all about learning to love. And that means turning the focus outward and giving in some way, sacrificially, blessing somebody else, becoming a silence to somebody else, gaining interest in somebody else. And if you can find a way to serve somebody who, who cannot in any tangible way benefit you, mm-hmm. if you can learn to give away, um, I'll tell you what, boy, that just, uh, that's rocket fuel to recovery. That's spiritual health. So here's an opportunity yeah, and be, uh, there, there's an added benefit too, Nate. We're talking about all of what you just said coupled with doing that with a person who is living a life that is probably far more difficult than yours practically. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we all just need the moment uh, where somebody either says or we realize through talking to someone uh, that doesn't have as much as us, we we hear the voice say, shut up and stop whining, man. Just do what you got to do. I think when we're in relationships with uh, people in other countries and developing countries and third world situations, uh, our, our problems tend to take on a different perspective. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's, uh, that's exactly the, that's exactly the point in the vision. And when you look at what, Paul's talking to the Corinthians and he's talking about the body of Christ. I think sometimes we just think of that in terms of our own local churches. Okay. There's someone with the gift of leadership and giving and, and mercy and what it, I think we need to look at that now on a more global scale. And I think technology can make that possible where we're looking at the body of Christ at a global level. And God has gifted people in the U S and the Western world with certain gifts and resources, but he's also gifted people in Africa mm. and Asia and the rest of the world with different gifts. And we need to complement each other. We need to be in relationships. Those gifts don't just happen out of nowhere. They happen when we meet with each other and talk with each other. And if, if we're not in relationship with, with people outside of our culture, we're really missing out on, on the gift and the beauty of, of the body of Christ. So, yeah. Also, uh, I've already got like 10 people in mind that I'm, I think are going to love this. Yeah, which means there's probably a lot a lot of listeners right now that you're thinking of someone you know that yeah. that you should tell about this and say go to the website and sign up. Yeah, I mean the yeah. the whole hour a month thing, which I I can't imagine people wouldn't want to do more than that once they get going and yeah. build the relationships. But an hour a month is so doable for anybody. Yeah, I mean that's really that that's a great bar you set. That's very low. we'll let people uh yeah we we would love for people to get more involved we think that's a uh, that's a good baseline like you said and and yeah i i'm in this world all the time i love it Uh, i do this 40 hours a week and i'm not tired of it i think people could do much more than an hour a month but we just want people to start there so yeah and aaron i think i appreciate the, the way you're listening uh because you know globally 
we, most of us in the U.S., I grew up here. I did live 12 years in Africa, but, uh, you know, we're so about ourselves. And recovery, one of the important things is service. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we don't see what we should do around here because we're so busy, but you get on this website. Mm-hmm. You get connected with somebody in another country who, just like you said, is living a much more challenging life than most of us do here. You know, we're talking about uh, health health insurance, and over there they're worrying about health care. Can I yeah. even get to a doctor? Yeah, yeah. You know, and we're worried about whether we're going to send our kids to private school or public school, and they're concerned about, I wonder if our kids will get to go to school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're wondering, about where are we going to eat? And they're w- wondering, are we going to eat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – it, it, that it adds a perspective that I think is really important, and that's why we're to serve. And, you know, the, we're all recovering from something. Mm-hmm. We're all in recovery. Yeah, yeah. We're recovering from being a person, from being a sinner, you know. <laughs> so whatever it is, we are called by God to serve, and it's not just because there's a need. It's primarily because we need to serve. It makes us healthier people. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, what a great conversation. I'm so glad it worked out. Uh, the the uh, program director for the Pirate Monk podcast arranged for you to be here this week, I think. So, uh, <laughs> living-well.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We'll have some final thoughts and a wrap-up when we return in, in just a second here on the Pirate Monk podcast. We're back on the Pirate Monk podcast. Okay, good job. Thank we are you. back on the Pirate <laughs> Monk podcast. That we was Cabin Boy it. Caleb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, well, we thought of a couple other things. Number one, women. We need women coaches in the world too, so women are invited, yes? That's right. Yeah, we need a lot more women coaches. Uh, a lot of who we work with are women overseas, and, and um, yeah, we, we could use as many women coaches as we can get. So. And there is a direct email that they can shoot you questions or yeah, you know. qu- uh, yeah, questions uh, or, or comments, or if you've got people you, in mind uh, that, that you'd like to recommend, just email us directly at info, I-N-F-O, at leading-well.com. All right. All right. Nate, I guess I, I have this visual picture in my head ever since you talked. You know I'm a visual person. But I'm I do. some guy that's not looking at porn anymore, but he's just clicking through Google images of battleships and submarines, and he's like, oh, Nate was right. The danger in recovery is navel gazing. Just all, all day long looking at boats. and uh, I couldn't get it out of my head. It was I was trying to listen. It was hard to listen after that. <laughs> oh, my God. That is oh, hilarious. Man. Especially since Caleb's family has a military background. Okay. Right. Not naval, but <laughs> West Point. Well, Sorry, uh, I, I had to say it. I should edit that out. I have the power to edit that uh, out. No, 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 no. <laughs> and if you want to hear more of Aaron's uh, humor, 
make sure you uh, mark your calendar for the first weekend in November. Uh, we don't have registration set up yet because the planning team actually doesn't meet until Saturday to finalize uh, physical arrangements and set prices and stuff. But that first week in November, November two through four, there will be a Samson Society gathering roundup. I don't know what we're going to call it in Middle Tennessee at a youth camp a couple mile, a couple hours west of Nashville. It'll be a place for those of you who are in virtual meetings like Chris. I love that Chris is getting so much help from virtual meetings from guys he's never physically been in a room with. We got guys around the world that are having that experience now. Uh, you want to meet up with some of those guys? Tennessee is pretty central in the U.S. If you can uh, mark it out on your calendar, look for a cheap airfare, uh, buy a sleeping bag because this youth camp that we've uh, managed to reserve doesn't have bedding. But uh, <laughs> other than that, it's a great place. Yeah, it is. Uh, it it'll be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Well, until is there anything else? Oh yes, send us uh, send us more letters at uh, piratemonkpodcast at gmail dot com. And until next week, uh, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. Uh, this is Caleb, and this is Larry, and over in the corner is Paul, <laughs> and we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Pirate Monk. <laughs> <laughs> 